0: Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queen's podcast number one. I'm Melissa. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. Each week, we sit down and watch a movie and then come here to chat about it with you. This week, it's very exciting, we have watched Star Trek Into Darkness, directed by J.J. Abrams and starring, you know, his usual crowd. Um, It's out this week in Australia and I believe next week in the U.S. And Katie...
1: Um, okay, so I am a really, really big fan of the J.J. J. Abrams Star Trek verse. Um, I went to see the first one from 2009 six times in the cinema, seven times now, because I got to see it as a doubleheader with Into Darkness, which I saw at midnight on a Wednesday followed by teaching at a school on Thursday, really good planning. Um, I love this whole verse. I love all the lens flare and the colors and all that sort of thing. So I was going into it predisposed to loving it and very, very heavily biased. But I am not an old school Trek fan. I am a new school track fan. I like the old stuff. I'll watch it when it's on TV, but it is not really something that I'm a big fan of.
0: Yep. And so she saw it six times at the cinema. Three of those were with me. And the 2009 J.J. Abrams Trek movie was my first foray into Star Trek and it completely blew me away. I've been, I've always been a little bit prejudiced against sci fi. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I, I was never really into Trek, but I, I wasn't against the idea. I just never watched it. But Katie dragged me along and we saw it in 2009 and it did. Yeah, completely blew me away. Fell in love with Chris Pine's blue eyes. Just thought the whole thing was great. And unlike Katie, I've actually gone back and watched the original series and I'm now now about season seven of Next Generation. I haven't seen any of the original series movies. I've still not watched Deep Space Nine or Voyager or Enterprise. Enterprise, yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched any of those yet, but I do plan on getting to them because – yeah, the, J.J. Abrams is entirely responsible for my Trek fandom. I, like you, am a new Trekkie. Oh, I'm probably not supposed to call myself a Trekkie, am I? I think we had this discussion yeah. that it was Trekkers. People are not into that, although my, my internet friends who are into Trek call themselves Trekkies. Anyway, look, I'm not going to get into that. Um, anyway, so I'm a new, new Trek fan, and I'm very much a fan of J.J. Abrams' stuff. Now, so on to Star Trek Into Darkness... Um, I guess the the logical place to start is... (laughs) Logical place to start. (laughs) The logical place to start would be with how do you think it stacks up against the last outing? Okay, well, I had um,
1: a couple of problems with the first one. Not in terms of, you know, being able to watch it. I watched it a million times. I just love it to pieces. I'm not a huge fan of the whole car thing. The car really bothers me. Why do they have such an old car in that movie? And why is he listening to the Beastie Boys at that point in the future? It just, like, took me out of the movie. It's the only thing that kind of bothers me. And um, But this one... Didn't have any moments like that that sort of took me out of it. I really loved it. I mean, I really loved it. It had, um, a lot of the things that I was hoping it would have, but it also, it had more of an emotional core to it than I was really expecting. It had a lot of heart to it that I wasn't really expecting, um... And I really like the fact that the trailer you see for the movie is not remotely the movie that you're going to see. Not only yes. do they throw you off in, like, major plot points, there are little tiny minor plot points that they use and twist around and is completely out of context in the trailer and it's so funny.
0: Yeah, it really is. I, I totally agree with that. I, this is very exciting because we've we've spent the last two days not talking about this movie to one another, so I had no idea what you thought. I don't have any idea what you're thinking about it, and you don't know what I think about it, and so this is kind of cool. I haven't even read your review of it, which has been up for a, a day or so. Um, we should, I, prob- I probably forgot to say this at the beginning of the show, but if you've come this far and you haven't worked it out yet, there are going to be spoilers for Star Trek Into Darkness, so if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to be spoiled, I want to turn us off and, and come back when you have seen it. Right. So back onto the thing. Um, yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that. The whole, um, uh, there aren't any anachronisms. We don't really spend any time on Earth other than at Starfleet, mm. Starfleet HQ. And no, we have that bit oh, at the right. beginning
1: in England. And I think, yeah, um, oh, with, with Mickey from Doctor Who. Yes, with Mickey from Doctor Who. And, um, I actually quite liked the stuff of, I, I like the way that. They portray Earth in the future as not being completely removed from Earth of today. Like, a right. lot of these things you see, and they're just like, that's ridiculous. There's mm. no way that in this amount of time we're going to be doing this. Right. But this movie had this really great grounded core in our reality, mm. like, in our cities. And they look like our cities, but advanced. Right. So they look and, like and our world, but advanced.
0: And it's London, but you can see St. Paul's Cathedral, and people still drive cars. They just hover a little bit and that was yeah i i really enjoyed that so i i really enjoyed this one compared to the first one it's it's a different world for me i watched the first one and i never even i couldn't tell you which series captain kirk came from and which series captain picard came from like i i knew absolutely nothing going into the first one and so was therefore able to be blown away so it's a completely different world four years later now that i'm i think i just answered a question on twitter about uh i don't know romulans or something and that would that would have been unthinkable only only a few years ago for me so it's a completely different experience i think for me i i don't know if i was blown away as much as i was by the first one but then I also got was able in this one to get really, really excited about little fandomy things. It's absolutely packed with references to the original series if you've not seen that one. I feel almost like this one was actually made for people like me, people who never watched Trek, then watched Trek in 2009 and then got into it. So it's almost like...
1: There are actually a lot of nods in the first movie to the original yeah. series too. So it, I think it's just what you're bringing to it. I think now, yeah. both of them are viewable as... Um, movies separate from the entire sort of original Trek fa- right. franchise, mm-hmm. and have established their own world. Yep. But if you do love the original Trek franchise, there's plenty of references and things in there to keep you going as well. Mm.
0: And and one of across the the things that JJ Abrams did, and I guess he's a man knows a little bit about keeping fandoms happy, is that he he made a parallel universe so that all of the Trek that exists still exists. All the characters are still those characters, and I think that's kind of nice. It it really he really is someone who has a lot of respect for the franchise as a whole.
1: That's one of the things that I wanted to talk about actually mm. is how much respect and love everybody who's involved in the movie seems to have for the characters. Mm. Um, one of the things I loved about the first movie and one of the things I love about the second movie is every single character gets their big moment. Every character gets mm. their little like heroic time or their, mm, yeah. their time to shine in, as an individual in the movie. And that's something that, you know, the first one did as well. But mm. the second one, it, it goes even beyond that. Like Sulu gets to be captain for a minute and Chekhov gets to oh, sh- save the ship and Sulu's and everybody really, like, gets – and Scotty has a great role in this one. Right. I mean, he he does some things that I don't think the original Scotty was ever allowed to do. He gets to be sort of an action
0: star for yeah. a little bit. Well, I well, um, I, 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 Scotty is one of my I, – I made a page <laughs> of notes when I was sitting at work yesterday and I, I couldn't talk to anyone about it and, and so I have this page of notes. I'm like, Scotty is on one of the lines here. And, and yeah, Scotty does get a bit of an expanded role. He gets to kind of run around, be an action hero, go out on a, I want to say away team, but it's not quite like that in the movie because, of course, this is a movie and it's not a TV <laughs> and it's, it's very much different from that. It builds like a movie. Although I, the one thing though, when I got to the end, I wasn't sure it was the end. I mm. thought the Captain Kirk dying was going to be what would lead us into the third act and it was actually the end Mm. of of, um he woke up again in sci-fi duh but um yeah so i was at the pacing was a little bit off for me like i was there was i feel like i was build up build up build up build up and i thought that was going to turn into the third act and then i was it was done and i i think the thing was it almost felt like it was too easy like they Mm. got past khan a little too easy Because maybe in my head I felt like Khan was Moriarty and they were going to, like, he was going to be, because Nimoy comes in, he's like, one of the hardest enemies Starfleet had to fight. And I was like, but it didn't seem that way. Like, they seemed to overcome him pretty easily. There are two things I think
1: about that. The one, Mm -hmm. first thing is Khan is not the bad guy. Right. I don't think Khan is the villain of the piece. Ah, the villain yeah. of the piece is really like the um, Robocop, Admiral. Frank Weller, um, who through the, the whole movie the I was referring dad. to as Robocop. Um, Robocop? He is, he's Robocop. Right. He plays Robocop. I so. seen RoboCop. That was all that would mm. come through my head in the whole thing was Robocop. Um, he right. and, and not just that, but also they were overcoming something that, like, this militarization that, that, um, Starfleet was going through. Right. So, what they were doing was, were it was like a, a, a battle of ideals. Yeah. And once that ideal was out of the way, then they just had to sort of get the physical baddie out of the picture. Right. Um, yeah. I think the other thing was also, um, I I was talking to um, my friend who came to the movie with us and he said he um, wasn't emotionally invested at all in Kirk's death because he um, knew he was going to come back.
0: Yeah, I think I watched enough Trek to kind of... um, I don't know. You haven't
1: seen Wrath of Khan, have you?
0: No, I haven't, but this was the thing. Okay, so the internet speculation about Cumberbatch being Khan started pretty much as soon as they announced he was going to be in it. And so there's this big, I am Khan and it would have been a great I'm sure reveal if you hadn't been spoiled by the internet and I I don't know how I could have avoided it really there was no way you could have avoided that that. and I also knew that in Khan we have Wrath of Khan the movie uh Spock dies and then comes back Mm. yeah and so of course that makes
1: Spock dies in Wrath of Khan comes back in search for Spock which is the next movie (laughs) which is the
0: next one and so that I get it and and I'm thinking now it actually might be almost one of these things where it's kind of is he being respectful to the original timeline by bringing in Khan a recognizable villain but recognizing that in the original universe or the parallel universe Khan was a huge huge villain who killed off Spock and blah 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 Uh, so so I'm now thinking perhaps yeah that is kind of a it's a nod but then allows him to be respectful about that so it's one of those things where I yeah I think there we have what we have is like a, a almost a classic bait and switch. We introduce this character that people know of, Khan. Uh-oh, Spock's going to get killed off, and he doesn't.
1: I also, I, I actually really like the role reversal, and I think it gave these actors a different thing to do from the original actors. Right. I think it gives them a different journey, Kirk and Spock a different journey, but I think they sort of come to similar conclusions. Like yeah. they come across, you know, they come to um, accept each other and all that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. that's that's one of the cores of these movies is um, that friendship. The core right. of friendship that was in the original series is also one of the main things holding together this series. Yeah, right. um, it's that Friendship, the strength of the friendship between Kirk and Spock, mm. and and how important that is in um, in broadening their perspectives. And one of the great things about this team is how well they work together, mm-hmm. because something terrible happens to Kirk in the beginning of the movie and he kind of loses his perspective for a minute and he does some crazy things. And it's because of Spock and because of his team telling him, you know, to slow down, think about it. And then he ends up making the right decision instead of the decision that the military wants him to make.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: And so I really love how they work together as a team. And I really love how Kirk's death affected Spock and how Kirk's death affected Uhura. And I think, um, what is interesting isn't, and and what where the emotional core is isn't. Oh, Kirk died. We know he's not going to die. Yeah, we know everybody he's coming knows back. he's coming back. That's not in question. What's in question is Spock doesn't know that, Uhura doesn't know that, no. Scotty doesn't know that, his team does not know that, and so watching them react to it, watching how they react to it, and especially watching how Spock reacts to it,
0: that's where the emotional heart of the movie is. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it is really great, and that was uh, the heart of the original series. The the original series can be really hard to watch. Um, I, I particularly that first season. Uh, once it gets into the second and third seasons, you get a bit better because you have this relationship between Kirk, Spock, and and McCoy. Um, McCoy has a slightly different role in this, but he, he's still important. But yeah, you have that that relationship between the characters and that the way they get along. And and I mean, I guess it's your classic procedural you know monster of the week kind of thing that many tv shows have where really what holds them together is the quality of the cast and the relationships between the characters as opposed to you know we're gonna we're fighting the romulans this week or whatever
1: um i think the themes of this movie were actually a lot more interesting and and detailed than Mm -hmm. the themes of the first one yeah um because the first one's a sort of an origin story yeah um and this is not to cast any um, aspersions on the on the first one because I love it so much, but it, it it is an origin story. The villain isn't quite as strong as the villain in this one. It's not got those kinds of um the same kinds of moral dilemmas whereas Mm. this one's quite interesting with its um it's got this idea of personal loyalty versus like i suppose their professional integrity or the what they've been told to do essentially like the military orders the military um regulations um Mm. In the first scene, they they break the first direct Prime Directive. They well, go against the Prime one, Directive. One of the
0: cause of Star Trek is that you break the Prime Directive pretty much every week. This is – it was really exciting to hear about the Prime Directive again. Just having watched the TV sh- series, you know as soon as they bring in the Prime Directive that it is going to be broken for some kind of reason. And, yeah, I, I think that's actually really interesting because uh, one of the things watching through the series – Star Trek is all about uh, the the ranked, much like, like like the military. There's a chain of command. There's orders, and it it does come into question all the time in the TV series about you know orders and things. But we never, I well, the TV series parts of the series that I've watched thus far never really get into exploring that militarism. And the, this movie actually does. We start to think about well, I mean, the Enterprise is an, is. You know, it's designed to be an explorer ship. It's got weapon capacity you know, for defence um, and and that's it, part of its job. But really it is about that and, and the, yeah, bringing weapons on board and, and thinking about these people who are officers in the sense the way used to officers in an army actually being asked to be the aggressors for once. I think that was a really interesting part of this one. Yeah, it was,
1: and I, I like the way that that was um... – that was explored throughout this, like, military versus the idealism, I mm. suppose, and, and the way that it, as in the original series, idealism always wins. Yeah. It always wins. Oh, God. Um, and, and when people talk about the new movies not having the heart of the original movies, I think that's what you've got to look at is they've got those emo- emotional relationships and that's what, the
0: core of the series is that's what the core of the movies are right. idealism always wins it really does it's and star trek is one of the most idealistic shows ever i mean it, this is a show that came out of course of the middle of the the civil rights struggles of the 1960s so the original series is very much flavored with that and of course these days that's that's a little different it, you know oh yeah you can't bring that same flavor that you might have been able to bring but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Idealism does win. Well, yeah, the original series is hugely idealistic, but it's still that way in Next Generation where they it, – it's one of the uh, funny little anachronisms for me, at least watching the original and other series of Star Trek, is that they're all – it's really like – um, it's like white guy progressivism. Gene Roddenberry is like – the he, he likes to think he's really progressive and whatever, but it's always a white man in charge. And you um, – for instance, I was online the other day <laughs> looking at Star Trek costumes – and um, from the original series, costumes and there were no dresses in command gold. There are dresses for um, uh, red, which is security and engineering, and there are dresses for blue, which is medical and science. So you can have female science and um, and engineers, but you, you there are no command dresses. You'd, Although, of course, you do see one in this film.
1: Um, you do know also that um, in the original series, the original first officer was played by Mel Ma- May- 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 Barrett, Barrett Roddenberry. Yeah. yeah.
0: She In the first episode, when Christopher Pike was captain, she was the first officer and they decided that they couldn't have a woman as the first officer. And it was even a rule in the original series that women couldn't be starship captains. And, of course, by the time we got to Next Generation, that rule had been um, overruled. Like, that was no longer a rule. Like For instance, Geordie LaForge from the uh, Next Gen, his mother is a starship captain. I think there mm. are some female admirals and, and things like that. But it is like this white guy idealism
1: of like... Of course, when you get to the next series in this in the... Original Voyage, shows yeah. is no, the next one's Deep, Deep Space Nine, which has a black captain, and then you get to Voyager, which has the female captain. captain. Um, so yeah, it's a bit it, like it, US sort
0: presidencies. of <laughs> first we have a black guy, and then eventually we're gonna have a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: the uh, <laughs> usual track of progression. Right. Um, the other thing that um, I want to talk about with this that you have to talk about with the J.J. J. Abrams movie is the visuals, lens flare, the lens flare which was actually. S- toned down quite a bit from the original movie um but that's possibly to do with it's kind of not as new and shiny the enterprise isn't as new and shiny we're sort of they're sort of trying to establish us in this world and i think that's part of why they took the lens flare back a bit yep um but the colors the colors are like delicious amazing
0: yeah it really does
1: the, that opening sequence on the alien planet with like these red—I um, mm. don't know what what they were like—crops or something, oh, and the blue it? sea, yeah. and all like the volcano was this bright orange color, and and there's just people the wearing yellow. sumptuous yeah. colors in this movie. It looked um, wonderful. And it's interesting that they kept Khan basically in black,
0: right? And he was painted. He was like he was really pale, and yeah, very very. Yeah, and if you look muted. at also the
1: the. Um Admiral's ship, Robocop's ship. Um mm. that was Evil also Enterprise. Evil Enterprise, yes. That was also black and dark. They had dark uniforms. It was all yeah. very like you've got this
0: literal black hat. <laughs> yeah.
1: You've got but you've also got this like there's bright the Enterprise is bright and shiny and colourful and everybody's in the different colours. Yeah. And then you've got the sort of dark, like monochromistic other th- other side. Mm. It's really it's like this visual representation of what they're fighting. It's really great.
0: Yeah, it is. That's right. It's that's right. The and and yeah, they're they're in Starfleet. Starfleet fleet is this idealistic place that goes on five year missions to explore strange new worlds and all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, you're you're right. That's that that is really good. And uh, yeah, I, I know you came home and said something about Chris Pine's blue eyes. Mm. All the shots of
1: Chris Pine's blue eyes. Chris Pine is so pretty, mm. and there's so many close up shots of Chris Pine being pretty.
0: Yeah, there. This is a a really attractive cast. Like if you're used to your bless his heart, Bill Shatner and you, Leonard Nimoy, this cast is really, 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 really ridiculously good looking in comparison. I, I mean, you know, I'm sure Simon Pegg has his fans, but even, you know, in, down, in, down in engineering, you've got a few. Well, that's where they hide the less good looking ones. Poor old Chekhov. He got, I felt like Chekhov got a bit, um, was a bit different for him. He was, he was like Scotty in this one. He was mm. acting as the chief engineer. So all he really got to do was run around and, panic well he was a bit of the comedy relief but then right he has his like later on in the movie he has um the
1: whole big moment and he has to Mm. he saves um um kirk and he Mm. you know he gets to do all of that sort of thing so he has his moment he doesn't he doesn't Um, suffer he yeah i think they they sort of when they pulled scotty out to be the action hero they had to replace him in that role and they they did that with Chekhov, and i thought he did a good
0: job so much running um did you get tired watching them run all the time? I so did. I was I, like, oh, well, must I must like- be so
1: fit. <laughs> I love the joke about that when they've got literally Scotty running down this enormous yeah. thing. And he's just like, oh, God, it's okay. I'm it's getting to the way. end. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has to run halfway back again. And it's just so funny. And watching, yeah. like, it, he's,
0: he did such a good job, Simon mm, Pegg. I thought he, he was really, fantastic. He, he was amazing. I really um, like him.
1: All the performances were great. I really like mm. Uhura and I like the uh, the relationship between Spock and Uhura. There's a lot of respect in the relationship between yeah, Spock and
0: Uhura. Yeah, I've come around on that. I was, I found it really awkward in the first one. I was like, they were meant to be, it, it turns out they were meant to be together in the original series, but you know the the very famous first interracial kiss? Mm. Yeah. Which, your know, first interracial kiss on, on US television was William Shatner and, um, Michelle Mich- Nichols. Michelle Nichols, thank you. Um, and it was supposed to be Nichelle Nichols and Leonard Nimoy, but Shatner being Shatner, he Shatnered Nimoy, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess I think Shatner is a verb. It's it's right up there with Bogart. So, he, yeah, he Bogarted the part and, uh, and got the kiss with Uhura. But, yeah, there was actually supposed to be a relationship. And it, it's really interesting, isn't it? There is mm. a lot of – it's a very grown-up relationship. There's not – it's like something that is happening and going on in the background. It's not, it's kind of like a relationship in real life. It's something that you have in your life and it goes on and there's bad times and there's good times, but it it just happens. There's no, it's not like, oh my God, is there some drama? Are they going to get together?
1: Mm, and it's, they mine it for some comedy and some sort of dramatic tension and things like yes. that. But, but it, the way they handle things is really mature. Mm. And also um Uhura gets to be like, a real staff lead officer. She goes out on the missions and she gets to, you know, right. um, um, not just get a gun out, but also get her brain out and right. like, and try out. and and try and um, be a tactician in there and and get in there and you know have ideas for how they're going to do the mission. And not only that, but Sp- Spock respects her to do that and mm. and um, believes in her. Pretty much more than Kirk does in a couple of the situations. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, which I think is really terrific. I think I just love that sort of that even though they're in dangerous situations, there's none of that like, oh, she can't do what we can do kind of thing. She just protect her. Yeah, exactly. They They don't. They just believe in her to do um to do her job and to do it well. And I think that's great. And but she's also still this kind of emotional core of the movie. Like she's the one who is the um voice of reason when everybody else is losing their heads right. sort of a thing. So I think that's really great as well. I, I love Zoe Saldana, so she's I great. liked seeing her get to do all that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I and I, and I really like that too. I, she, she's, she's a very important part of the- it.
1: I also sure. like um, the new female character that they introduced. My um, – what I thought her role would be mm. ended up being very, very different from what her role was. Oh,
0: okay, yeah, because uh, the character is – from the she's from the original series i believe she's like the mother of uh, yeah kirk's baby eventually so. um but of course she was just being introduced she's played by alice eve and i can't remember the character name now it is carol marcus carol marcus yes indeed it is and yeah she that was she was very different to what i was expecting so what were you expecting i well
1: no i thought actually that she was
0: going to be a bad guy I really yeah. thought, like, the way they
1: were setting it up, I thought mm. she was going – and then they completely turned that around on me. And I really liked that they've now introduced a character and didn't do that with her, and she's, like – she has her own story going on as well
0: in this movie. And her I- own particular expertise on the ship, so yeah. she can fit in with, a- with you know, the other science officers. And, and yeah. they
1: sort of set it up like, that's not going to happen, but then it is what happens, and I right. thought that was great. And she also, like, try, you know, comes in to try and be a an hero and try and help people out and all that. So I, I just really liked um, that they managed to introduce this character without um, making her – and, and like, when I was talking about how they changed from the tra- trailer to what you saw, yeah. they don't make her a sex object at all. No. In the trailer, basically, you just see her in her underwear and you think she's going to sleep with Kirk. That scene, completely out of context, nothing right. like that.
0: Well, much like the scene of what well, appears to be the Enterprise crashing into – uh the harbor in san francisco completely out of context not what actually happened yeah i know i loved that. that yeah not just that but every single thing about
1: how they set the trailer mm. up like this is a terrorist and this is what's going to happen and that's what's going to happen yeah. and we're going to face kirk's dark side and him and all that sort of thing and right. it's, it, it's sort of that was so not it, it was a great trailer but then not what no. you actually got. And I think that's really – that's part of – you know, J.J. J. Abrams is notoriously spoilerphobic, Right. He hates spoilers. Um, he put up a great big wall around his Star Trek set once a couple of the photos leaked. So um, he, I think that's part of it is that he created this really misleading trailer that was very exciting but not the movie you end up going and to it's, see. And re- it
0: is really hard to keep stuff secret in this day and age, which mm. is, I guess, why he did the whole Khan bait-and-switch thing because, I mean, he he knew that we knew – that he was Khan, but he was like, no, no, he's a Starfleet officer, mm. and and that's fine. Like we we all saw through that one, but he actually did keep stuff secret because you know he he, he edited those trailers. Yeah, completely out of context. It was brilliant.
1: I know, I love it. Um, I love um the acting as well the performances were great I've always oh, yeah. loved that whole cast from the first one I just there's not a single person that I didn't just fall in love with in the first movie um, mm. and that continued for me through this one I thought everybody really delivered and it feels that you kind of feel that bond like you feel mm. like they all know each other and they're all friends and they're all teammates and yeah. and um, crewmates I should say um, <laughs> shipmates. and shipmates yeah and they you, you get that sense from them of real connection
0: yeah, I, I agree. I think that it is the cast that you you see it as they all travel around to all the different premieres. They're all friends and they all hang out. And they apparently Simon Pegg plays pranks on the cast. Who'd have thought? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and I think Zachary Quinto also um, plays an, just an outstanding spot. Isn't
0: he wonderful? I just I, as much as you know, I have a lot of time and respect for Leonard Nimoy and, and what he brought to the character. Quinto is amazing in that role. He is born for that role. Oh, yeah. He's Um, just wonderful.
1: He – I mean, he has that kind of look. He looks a bit like Leonard Nimoy. Mm. Um, He also – But it's not just this fluke of, you know, good luck in the looks department. He is just, he absolutely understands who this character is. He Mm -hmm. understands where this logic and reason is coming from. And when he's, when he shows emotion, he shows it in this way that you absolutely believe is coming from Spock. Mm He is so, he is so in touch with who that is. And I think. Actually, Chris Pine is as well with Kirk. Like, he is mm. in touch with who who Kirk is. He is, you know, the big charismatic
0: womanizing guy who just puts his crew above everything else. Right. And there is a real danger when you're playing Captain Kirk. I mean, he's one of the most impersonated for comic effect characters mm. there is. You, you know, Futurama does a fabulous job of that. And among other things. And so there is a real danger of slipping him into caricature just because, you know, you feel like maybe doing a Shatner impersonation, and he never, ever falls for that. He's just he's, – he really does take the character and make it his, which I can't help but admire him for that.
1: Um, yeah, and I liked um, – I like how he has – he has his own take on the character, mm. um, but he also sort of – I think he respects the roots of the character and that sort of thing. Like, you yeah. can sort of see – him um, um paying homage to William Shatner in a lot of different ways right. without impersonating him, like oh, exactly. the way he sits in the chairs and all that sort of thing. Like he, yeah. he sort of brings in these little um, threads of the original role without – Trying to right impersonate it because
0: the original. I mean, Sh- uh, the other thing about Shatner was calling him Shatner. His name is Kirk, really, <laughs> So the one of the things about yeah, original Kirk is that he is quite camp, and so he does bring a bit of that. The whole like yeah, sitting into a chair and chasing alien tail or whatever yeah. else you're gonna have, uh, and a little little healthy disrespect for the rules. Mm. Well, this is the thing: is that the the healthy disrespect for the rules is one of the major plot points of this movie. Yeah, um, I, I I feel like everyone who is a hero has a healthy disrespect for rules. You know, I mean Indiana Jones, Harry Potter, um, <laughs> I was Hans Han Solo. Solo. <laughs> yeah, there you, you got to have a bit of healthy disrespect for the rules; otherwise, people don't like you. Um, I think also it's interesting
1: to note that um, the there's there's not just a, a an emotional arc of this journey of this movie. Um you've actually seen him come full circle from the first movie where there's the Kobayashi Maru scene. Yeah. Um, his, I don't believe in no win scenarios, but yeah. where he just sort of finds his way out in this one. He, the role of the captain is it's to experience fear and all that sort of thing. He mm. knows his ship is dying. He goes and sacrifices himself to save it. Right, And that is a complete, sort of reversal from the original this um, cocky little moment. guy who
0: wouldn't – yeah, he's come around to be – to do what his father did, which is to, you know, sacrifice himself to save the lives of his crew.
1: And But not only did he do that, he he does it without sacrificing who Kirk is mm. because who Kirk is, he doesn't believe in no-win scenarios. He sees this as the way of winning. Mm. He's going to sacrifice himself. He saves his ship. He saves his crew. That's his win. And, and- – and, um so he's come from this yeah that cocky guy who cheats his way through the test to this guy who just he embodies
0: everything that a captain is supposed to be right and he's it's rubbed off on spock and mm. then spock does the same thing and he tries to tries to sacrifice himself but uh sulu and the rest of the crew are having none of that and they're going with him
1: well yeah that's sort of something that that i think yeah, spock learns from learns from kirk right in this he instance. does he
0: instead of following he learns he learns from kirk at you know that it's about it's about judgment and rules and and i mean even kirk when kirk leaves him in charge and says look that crew needs somebody who knows what he's doing he's showing a lot of confidence but he also knows that spock has kind of grown up a bit and recognizes the difference between following the rules and doing the right thing yeah sorry
1: i said that spock learned from kirk i meant kirk learns from spock but they both learned from they learn other, from each other that's,
0: that's kind of the point the the point is that you know to be a good leader you can't just you can't just be the the cocky guy who is is in you know the cocky guy who doesn't believe in no win scenarios and you can't just be the the officer with the impeccable record you need a little bit of both you need a mm. bit of the human side and you need a bit of that logic and that um separation from the rest of the crew the the seeing the big picture the reason reason
1: yeah um, it's it's um, interesting that we spend so much of this podcast just talking about the characters I think it kind of goes to show what we were talking about before that like the characters are really the heart of this movie right
0: um, uh, yeah well, you I mean- can
1: have it like the pacing can be off and I, I mm-hmm. think the editing actually in these movies is amazing um, oh yeah beautiful editing but even if the pacing was off and the visuals weren't always perfect and and there were some points which didn't match up to other points so so there was some sort of plot hole oh yeah um, even but even when with all these things in there the reason that these movies resonate so well with a lot of people and with me especially is because we've been sitting here talking about these characters for yeah. so long and their friendships and their journeys and all of that sort of thing it's just this is why they're so good
0: and that's why star trek is good and that's why we're trek fans now because these characters are wonderful and you go back to your original series even you know the later series like voyager and next gen they didn't have a lot of money. They never did. The special effects have never been great. The original series in particular has these cardboard sets that wobble, but somehow you get past that because you have this wonderful little core group of people who are just great characters who have these great relationships and have these really fun little – they're just – it's fun to be around these people. It's, it's good to be around these people. You feel like you, you come away having – from having watched a Star Trek episode, you feel like you come away a better person for having spent time with these characters.
1: Mm, I, I think um, that, I mean, uh, like I said, I've, I will watch Star Trek when it's on TV, yeah. um, but it's not something that I really sort out or have this great emotional investment in. For me, it's all sort of the J.J. J. Abrams, like that's, that's where my emotional investment is. And I'm not sure exactly what it is about the original series that has or any of the original shows that have never really hooked me. Mm. Um, but... The, the, I can't
0: describe it. With the original series, like, we started watching them um, – it took us about six months to get from the first one to actually f- getting through the first season of original series. It was probably only sort of a few episodes into season two where we started to, like, really look forward to that. The end of every Star Trek episode in, in about this point ends with uh, Spock and Kirk and McCoy sitting around, like, ripping on one another or having – you know, just having a bit of fun. And it was – we always – we realized we were looking forward to that at the end of every episode, and we were looking forward to just watching these uh, these characters interact and have fun with one another. I mean, and you know, you, so you kind of somehow it gets there. You see past you know McCoy's terrible, terrible eyeshadow, and <laughs> I, you can't even believe it how much eyeshadow this man wears, and Kirk's awful, awful clothing choices, and these cardboard sets that wobble and all that kind of stuff.
1: Um, I also, um, I did watch a few of the original series episodes and I've seen more of the old movies than you have. Yeah. I've, I've seen, seen
0: Wrath
1: of Khan. Um, I've seen Wrath of Khan and I think I've seen The Search of Spock or I've seen parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen The Whale one like this one. one where they come back to earth in the 80s and save whales i don't oh, remember gosh. which one they it's called so old
0: by then <laughs> it was,
1: they really were and oh. it's like it's funny but it i i don't know it's it's the it's the one that's always on television is the whale one okay um so i've seen that actually a couple of times um i have also seen a couple of the later movies um and Quite a few episodes of Voyager, especially when Seven on Nine comes on, because she's my favourite on that show. Right. Um, but and and um, one of my best friends just loves Voyager, so I have seen quite a bit of it. Um, but like I said, it's I'm just really never looking
0: forward to watching Voyager to be honest. And Janeway's fabulous. Yeah, I'm quite
1: looking forward um, to that. But like it, I, even though I'd seen I'd seen some of Star Trek before um, mm. before I saw the 2009 movie and. Mm. Um, it still, like, never grabbed me until I started to get excited for the movie just before it came out because I loved Lost. Um, I quite like J.J. Abrams yeah. and I was, um, I saw the posters, they looked cool and, um, I sort of started investigating
0: went, Chris Pine. I think I went because you told me to.
1: I think that might be the case. I told a lot of people
0: to <laughs> go see like, it with me. Come see Star Trek with me. And I'm like, well, I got nothing better to do.
1: Um, but yeah, um, it, I started investigating Chris Pine before I saw the movie, and I just thought he was great. I think in a few people best people have thing had about
0: investigate Chris Pine, <laughs> it was the best
1: thing about quite a few not very good movies before Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I think the person I knew the best, people I knew the best going into it were Simon Pegg and John Cho, and of course I knew Carl Urban pretty well because of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, right. Um, of course. But then having seen it, I just like I said, I fell in love with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think J.J. Abrams is fantastic. Well, whoever was the editor on Star Trek is a genius, and I will find that out and put it on the podcast notes because the editing in both those movies, I think, is some of the sharpest editing that I've seen.
0: It's amazing. They look and sound just wonderful. Oh, and Michael
1: Giacchino doing the music. Something about the new Star Trek movies as well that I I don't feel like is done that much these days, but you get from, like, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all that sort of thing is there's this really distinctive – sound and score and all these things that they're bringing together that like when you hear that that music you know it's star trek i think in movies a lot of the time these days there's just not that much um iconic there's, there's not that many iconic things that you mm-hmm. can latch onto the way that and i think they've done such a good job of of creating that with the new the Absolutely. new movies to get that kind of um the 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 music that you automatically associate with the movie is just like it's not something that seems to be done as much anymore yeah. and i love that they have that with this that you know when the titles come up you, and the music sounds that you have that feeling of oh i know what i'm in for now i know yeah. what this is uh, when i hear that i'm going to associate it with this i
0: i have a feeling that this is sort of the culmination of JJ Abrams working with Michael Giacchino Giacchino? Michael Giacchino and every, everybody else I imagine in his team as well. He's sort of he's worked with them for so many years and they have like a an understanding with one another and they've gotten to this point where it's just like everything has come together in these Star Trek movies.
1: And JJ is like an old school movie fan. He grew mm-hmm. up watching all of these movies that I loved from when he I was a kid he's, Super he's great older than I am but but yeah. I have a fondness for 80s movies and watch them kind of religiously and so he loves all those old um all the classic movies where they have all of that kind of um everything's kind of brought together to create it's not just like a movie it's like a a an icon a moment a mm-hmm. something that that you can latch onto like that i heard that they might be doing a tv show um, I think you could easily make a new show that hasn't right. been explored yet.
0: Clearly this this crew and the Enterprise are out on a five-year mission, but that doesn't mean there's not some other crew stationed somewhere else or on another mission that it could absolutely have a very different um, yeah. a, a series of adventures every week in the current universe. Um, so, you know, we'd watch.
1: And it would look beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be great.
0: Um, uh, yeah, itself, I think it's, it's, it might actually be time to, you know, wrap it up but we, we had fun and we finally got to talk about star trek so rating out of five. Oh yeah ratings um four i gave it five Ooh. and you can read
1: my review on my blog which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com
0: yes and i will review it but i haven't done that yet um otherwise anything further about the podcast just visit silverscreenqueens.com our website where you can download the podcast read the show notes and I don't know, maybe maybe learn a little bit about us or send us some email. Uh, we're also both on Twitter. Katie is at Green Queen. That's at Green underscore Queen. And I am at Melissa Savage if you want to get in touch with us that way. Thank you for listening to Silver Screen Queens. We've talked Star Trek. We'll see you again next time. Bye. Bye.